everybody. How you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. Hope you're having a great time, having a great week. It's Q2, right, man? We're getting started on the second quarter of the year. But thanks for joining us here on the live stream. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Charles Barkley, <laughs> um, NBA legend and a member of the TNT crew there that covers NBA games and NCAA. And Charles Barkley made some great comments on the NCAA during the final four. Um, and I, I want to break that down because uh, I thought what he discussed was just fabulous. So we're going to get into Charles Barkley, but I do want to tell you a story and it's um, you know, I got my vaccine shot. And so anyways, before I get into that story, we're live streaming, right? So we welcome your thoughts and comments. Just type them in into YouTube or into Facebook. I'll read them on the air, you know, within reason. I'll read them on the air and we'll have a little bit of a discussion and, and uh, make this a dialogue. But yeah, so anyways, um, I finally got my vaccine done and I was just thrilled. So I ended up doing that yesterday. So the crazy part of this story is, is that I wasn't eligible to get my vaccine until... Gosh, when was it? It was you know after April first. As people over the age of fifty were then were declared eligible, and so what I did is I had scheduled the time I was going to go down to Kaiser Permanente on April twentieth, and then Monday morning I'm listening to the news and they said that Cal Fire is opening up some uh, vaccine uh, stops where you can go in and get the vaccine, and I thought, you know, I was thinking about getting the vaccine done sooner rather than later. I was wondering why in the heck I had to wait until April 20th with Kaiser since they're trying to expedite all these this vaccine delivery. So I decided to go outside of my healthcare provider and according to Cal Fire, if you go on their website, they've got they've got um, stations set up mostly in East County, like rural East County to service a lot of people that otherwise are you know, that might have trouble driving into the city, into San Diego. So I discovered that there was an opportunity to go out um, to to out into extreme East County, out into Pine Valley. And that's what I did as I ended up going to Pine Valley. And so I it was so easy on Monday morning. I went on the website. I set an appointment for Tuesday morning at 10, you know, 24 hours later. And then boom, boom, I showed up and I'm golden. And the best part about this is it's the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. So that means that I only need one shot. I didn't have to do the, 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 the two shots separated by what is it? Three or four weeks. I was able to get it done all at once. So I was really thrilled about that, but I'll tell you what, the people that run Cal Fire there, I mean, these are, you know, the firefighters and, you know, they're the ones that fight the the big wildfires that are kind of out in the forest area. You know, they had ran a really good setup there. It was organized. It was disciplined. They, you know, would check your temperature to enter. They verified your ID, verified you had the appointment, and then they would give you the card. I got the shot. Um, I had to wait 15 minutes afterwards to make sure there was no reaction. And then boom, boom, I was on my way. And, you know, I had to wait in line a little bit, but I was in and out in less than an hour. And it just worked out really great. And on top of it, it was kind of nice to, to make a drive out to Pine Valley. So, you know, Pine Valley is only about maybe 15 miles or so east of Alpine. So it's not that far. and It's a nice drive. Um, so I did that yesterday morning. So I'm fully vaccinated now which is great. I mean, I, like I said, it's, I got the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. So I only need one. I don't have to, 
have two shots like the Moderna or two shots like the Pfizer waiting, you know, either three or four weeks in between. I got the one shot, one and done. So I got home yesterday and my wife asks me, she goes, how you feeling? I, I said, actually fine. I, I don't feel any problems at all. And I was generally very good all day yesterday. And then right around, oh gosh, right around nine o'clock or so, I started getting really, really restless. And I, at first I thought maybe I was just tired because I had woken up extra early the, the, that morning. But I ended up crashing, went to bed. And I just barely made it to the end of the Padre game. And went to sleep. And then I woke up like at one o'clock in the morning. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, I, I felt like I was drunk. It was a really strange feeling. Um, I was very disoriented. I was, when I stood up, I felt um, kind of dizzy. Um, it seemed like the the room was spinning a little bit. And I know that in my mind, I, I had trouble focusing and it was just a really odd feeling. Um, so I ended up, you know, in the middle of the night, I got to make a run to the bathroom. So I took care of business and then came back to bed and then slept the rest of the night and woke up in the morning. I was fine. No problems. And today, you know, they say it, usually you're going to feel it the next day. Well, today is the next day. And generally I'm, I'm in pretty good. Now I will tell you like about 15 minutes before I started this podcast, like about 145, I started to feel a little bit lightheaded. Um, and I still actually feel kind of lightheaded right now. So we'll see how my day goes, but I, I'm just excited about it. So um, I just want to share that with you. If you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, go get it done. Um, and they're making it really easy. They're there are plenty of places you can go. You don't necessarily have to go through your health insurance provider. I, I didn't even use Kaiser Permanente, who's my normal no, my normal doctor in that facility. I just um, went online and Cal Fire is has they have vaccination sites at various locations in San Diego County. So I was really pleased with that. And um, and, you know, it's all done. <laughs> so uh, it was easy because it was just a one and done with the with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. And really, I'm whining a bit about how I felt last night. And, it you know, it was no big deal. I remember my wife had the Moderna and on her second shot the next day, she just felt terrible, you know, headaches and achiness and nausea. And thankfully, I haven't had anything near that with the Johnson and Johnson one. So, yeah, again, I, I encourage you to get the vaccine. Um, that's important. I'm a I'm a believer in science. And, you know, what's funny is, is that on gosh, what was it? Friday, I did the podcast uh, that was titled vaccines as a carrot on a stick. And that was all about um, it was Dr. Leanna Wen, who was on the Chris Cuomo show on CNN, and she shared some probably very revealing comments on that about wanting to withhold our, our freedom. So essentially withhold our inalienable rights of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness unless we get a vaccine. And, you know, that that whole thing blew up, you know, in the media. But what was crazy for me is, you know, I. I if you're watching my podcasts on YouTube or Facebook, or maybe you listen to them on Apple podcasts or Google podcasts, but, and for those of you that are, are, you know, loyal followers, thank you. But I'll tell you, you know, my audience is pretty modest, but when I ran that YouTube video, I got so many more views on that YouTube video, at, at least 25 times the traffic on that YouTube video than I normally get. 
And it is obviously was a national story and it was showing up frequently in people's recommended list of videos. And a lot of people commenting on Dr. Leanna Wen and her thoughts on the vaccine and the vaccine passport and withholding freedoms. And yeah, the comments online were crazy. Some of these people, um, you know, there were some people that were anti-vaxxers and I was like, come on, folks. I mean, follow the science. And then there are other people. I mean, I was shocked. There was one person that posts a kind of a, you know, it was encouraging violence against against Dr. Wen and, you know, bringing up the fact that she's Asian. I was like, I couldn't believe that. I, I pushed back on that guy and I eventually just deleted that comment I, on my YouTube page. I don't need that kind of nonsense, but I generally don't like to do that. I don't want to be purging comments because this podcast is mostly, you know, it's a community forum. We can talk these things out like rational, civil people. But when people are sharing irrational, uncivil comments about, you know, inciting violence against Asians because of the virus. I mean, it's just insane. But I'll tell you what, that that video that I did on Friday about a vaccine is a carrot on a stick. Like I said, like 25 times the traffic. I mean, if you look at my YouTube channel, it was just like a giant spike. It was crazy. Um so, you know, I, I enjoy it. I, I actually generated quite a few additional subscribers. So if you're listening or watching now, thank you. Um, so it's always good to build the audience. And, you know, we're talking about things that are topical. So I think that that's a good thing. So, um, all right. So let's, let's get into this whole topic of Charles Barkley. And, you know, Charles Barkley, I mean, just to set this up, he, he is a, a former NBA uh, player, an all-star. He was on the NBA Dream Team in 1992 with with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and and uh, Michael Jordan and all the all-time greats. And he, he played for the 76ers in Philadelphia. He played for the Phoenix Suns. He played for the Houston Rockets. And he had a great career. And he is now a commentator on TNT when, you know, they cover NBA games. He does the pregame and the postgame show and halftime. And he's a who he's on there with who else? Ernie Alexander is kind of the the primary host, but he really lets the other three guys do most of the talking because they're funnier than hell. Shaquille O'Neal is usually on that show, Charles Barkley, and I think um, Kenny the Jet. Um, I think his name's Kenny Smith. So they're the three on that show. And Barkley is just really outspoken, always has really interesting comments to make. And he uttered this incredible segment um, during the NCAA Final Four because they were, they were talking about political issues and Barkley isn't afraid to, to share his comments. So I want to play the video for you. Now, last time I tried this, I played the, I played the audio only and everyone couldn't hear it. I think I've solved the problem, and this time I'm going to show it as a video. And actually, I'll put on my headphones so none of the feedback bounces through into my microphone, creating any kind of an echo. But I want to play this video for you um, because I just thought it was unbelievable if you haven't seen it. It's only like a minute long. It's really short. So let me share my screen. And we're going to share this, and I'm going to share the audio, which I think is the trick that I missed last time. And ba-boom. Okay, so if you're watching on the live stream, maybe you can see there, there's Ernie Alexander with his CBS microphone. Yeah, they're normally on TNT, but for the NCAA Final Four, they moved them up to the big boy CBS. And um, 
All right, so let's uh, let's play part of this video, and I'll probably stop it a few times in between. Shared that news, how painful it was. Yeah, but the one thing I took out of that piece was, man, I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. So right on there. I mean, Charles Barkley just nails it. He says what I think a lot of us have been thinking for the, for the longest time, but you never hear someone actually say this out loud, especially on mainstream media. Charles, Charles Barkley saying, hey, you know, generally speaking, the people in America, whether you're black or white or, you know, really any ethnic group, any racial group, people are generally good people. I think that's mostly true. I mean, you know, I think for the most part, we're born as blank slates. Right. And we we have, you know, the whole nature versus nurture that sort of determines, you know, how we behave. But we all make choices in our life. We have free will. We make independent choices. And for the most part, I think Charles is right. You know, we're black people, white people, generally speaking, are mostly good people. But the politicians try to divide and conquer us. They try to separate us. They try to get us fighting amongst themselves just so the politicians can remain in power. So, I mean, when he said this, I mean, he is speaking my language because, you know, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm, I'm politically independent. And I've been saying the same thing for so long that these two parties are just you know, playing the people. But let's hear what um, what else Charles had to say in this uh, in this video segment. They divide and conquer. I truly believe in my heart most white people and black people are awesome people, but we're so stupid following our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. And their only job is, hey, let's make these people not like each other. We don't live in their neighborhoods. We all got money. Let's make the whites and blacks not like like each other. Let's make rich people and poor people not like each other. Uh, let's let's scramble the middle class. I truly believe that in my heart. So, way to go, Charles. I mean, that was fantastic. Here, let me uh, stop sharing my screen here. Whoa. Okay, I think I had that going a little long. Sorry about that. I'm the uh, the podcast host and also the uh, studio engineer and and everything else. So I try to do it all together here by myself. But thanks for listening and watching that. I mean, way to go, Chuck, man. You are saying the truth. You're saying what so many people really believe but are often afraid to say because everyone has been kind of wrapped up in this whole divide and conquer and they are getting sucked into this whole game that the politicians are playing against us and charles says you know it's black versus white he talks about how it's the rich and the poor fighting amongst each other but there's so many other segments if you think about it if you look at the political discourse in this nation if you look at what's in the media it's constantly a fight between two different groups maybe it's the one percent versus the 99 percent right we hear that all the time that's kind of the rich versus the poor, but really what that is, is mostly the uber rich versus everyone else. Um, and yeah, the, that was the line we used to hear in Occupy Wall Street, which is, 
that was, I was trying to remember the name of that a few podcasts ago, but yeah, the 1% versus the 99%. And then we hear like a lot of the other battles are just men versus women, you know, with people calling out the, the male patriarchy and, and, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of battles by gender. They've kind of divided us along those lines as well as every other political identity group. I mean, blacks and whites are just two of the races. There's, Lots of other races, you know, we can go down the list of Asian and Hispanic and uh, Pacific Islander. And I mean, on down the list, Native Americans, they pit all of those groups against each other. The politicians play the game. The politicians push the buttons and they get the reaction that they want that creates essentially loyal supporters and haters on the other side. And then that's how they end up winning elections. That's how Donald Trump won the election in 2016. And I mean, even with foreign policy, we heard this with George W. Bush right after 9-11. You know, we have a war on terror. It's it's it, you're either with us or you're against us, you know, and you know, to the point where if you objected to any of the, the American policies that they were enacting, you know, in this so-called war on terror, they were basically framing you as though you were against them. When frankly, when I was protesting against a lot of this nonsense in the Bush administration, I was standing up for our inalienable rights of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness rather than the policies they were pushing, which were to undermine our rights, undermine our civil liberties, undermine the Bill of Rights is what they ended up doing um, right after 9-11. So. It ends up this it's this whole battle. And then, you know, we follow the presidential elections and it's red versus blue. That's how they frame it. They show the map and get the red states and the blue states. And and then a lot of the political conversation is, is they'll they'll identify a state. And let's say you're a, a left leaning person, one of our progressive friends, and you identify a red state and maybe they have a policy you don't like. You'll make fun of the whole state, even though in that state, not everyone is Republican. Most of the people in the state aren't even Republican at all because, frankly, there are more independent people, no party preference, people that identify as independent than there are Republicans or Democrats nationwide. So these so-called red states, you know, they might only have like 40 percent, maybe 43 percent of the of the state is actually Republican. And the same thing is true in the other direction with Democrats. Blue states often, you know, there are obviously some exceptions that are heavy blue. But a lot of blue states are really less than a majority blue, but they still pit us against against each other. And they try to make it sound like, you know, you got to vote for your team, you know, the red or the blue team, because the other team is, oh, my God, the worst thing that could ever happen in America. They want to, you know, throw grandma off a cliff. They want to kill children. They want to, you know, make up your hysteria, make up your scaremongering. That's what they do. I mean, even in the election there that just occurred in Georgia, I was watching another video and Charles Barkley, to his credit, was calling it out. And this was in January of 2021. And he was saying, you know, when they had that election in Georgia, picking those two senators, they were making it sound like that if you didn't pick the right candidate, then it was going to flip the the power of the Senate and we were going to have Armageddon if this didn't work out right. And that's what these politicians were doing. They're essentially playing the people, playing this game, essentially just so they can stay in power because they always do. I mean, how long has Mitch McConnell 
been the Republican leader of the of the of the Senate. How long has Nancy Pelosi been the Speaker of the House or at least the number one Democrat in the House of of, of Representatives? I mean, like forever. So they play us off of each other and they just want to divide and conquer. So what Charles Barkley said was just fantastic. And really, they're just sort of picking up on, you know, it, it, this this kind of us versus them, you know, kind of mentality has been going on forever. I mean, even like in our in our current culture, it's Coke versus Pepsi, right? Which is also taking on a whole new light because of, um, you know, the, what happened in Georgia. And, and now the Republicans are trying to boycott Coca-Cola. And I mean, that's another crazy part of the story. But still, you, you advertisers know how to play that game. They create sort of Coke versus Pepsi. They make it a binary choice. In some cases with politicians, they make it so-called good versus evil. But they just do it so they can stay in power, and they typically do. Um, so, but this is what I want to get to in this podcast. And I, again, I think Barkley was right. He, he was calling out both Republicans and Democrats on this nonsense that they were dividing and conquering. They try to make it seem like these two parties are like night and day, that they are opposites of each other, that they are essentially Jesus and Satan, (laughs) that these two parties couldn't be more different. When the fact is, is that these two parties are unbelievably similar. In many ways, they're like the same party with maybe a slightly one wing, slightly more liberal and one wing, slightly more conservative. But generally speaking, they enact by far, you know, the the same policies. I mean, they both support endless war. I mean, we've been seeing that going on forever. I mean, ever since, gosh, ever since they started Gulf War One, there has been endless war in the Middle East with the United States. And then, if you roll the clock back from there, you know, there were some skirmishes that occurred in the eighties under Reagan, like Grenada, or is it Grenada? But then, you know, prior to that, it was like a continuous stream going from world war two to the Korean war to the Vietnam war. It's just like, it's like endless warfare and it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a democratic in office, it's the same policy. I mean, other things like they both engage in just insane out of control spending. And that's even more evident now with COVID. I mean, right now, Biden wants to spend trillions and trillions of dollars. But last year in 2020, Trump and the Republicans spent trillions and trillions of dollars that they didn't have. Um, They both want to ignore our most basic rights. They both are constantly chipping away at our freedoms of speech, freedoms of religion, freedoms of assembly, freedoms of the press. I mean, we're, it's, it's a constant erosion. We're seeing, both parties attacking social media, trying to undermine their rights, their rights as an independent um, platform to publish content that their users pl- uh, place on, on their platforms. They, they want to come after that. I mean, that's indirectly a form of, of erosion of freedom of speech. And then we can get into the Second Amendment. That's a whole other can of worms. But essentially, you know, whether you agree or disagree with gun control, the, the fact is, is that there are some people that want to erode people's right to keep and bear arms. I mean, some people think that's righteous, but it's true. I mean, there's a focus on eroding the the second amendment and then the fourth amendment. Oh my God. Uh, The fourth amendment, which protects people from illegal search and seizure. 
um, you know, both parties have been empowering the police to to really go through people's personal effects, you know, have checkpoints, pull people over without probable cause, without warrant and erode their Fourth Amendment rights. I mean, we can go down the list. You know, both these parties, they claim to be for rule of law, but they don't respect the rule of law. I mean, Trump claimed to be for rule of law. And then how many of his staff members violated the rule of law? How many of his staff members or or his uh, cronies ended up going to jail or being convicted in court? And then Trump himself violated the emoluments clause in the Constitution, essentially personally profiting off of his presidency. And we can go down the list of a lot of other things that Trump pushed forward that were attempts to completely overrun so-called rule of law. I mean, this whole idea of, of a coup to overturn an election is exactly that. And the Democrats, the same thing. I mean, they're in many ways, they're constantly pushing to you know override the rule of law. No respect for that either. I mean, the Second Amendment and even the, the freedom of religion and the First Amendment are great examples of it. I mean, both parties are bought for and paid for by large corporations. You know, people like to frame the Republicans as in bed with big business, but that's not true. I mean, the Democrats are just as much in bed with big business. Even just uh, yesterday, remember Coca-Cola and some other companies in Atlanta made those political positions known. I think Delta Airlines did. In fact, I think even just now United Airlines came out with a statement as well. But. Mitch McConnell was essentially telling these companies to stay out of politics. But you know what? Both of those large companies give money to politicians. They're already in politics and they don't just give to one side. They give to both sides. They play the game because they know that if they can influence those politicians, they're going to pass laws or pass regulations that will be favorable to those companies. So, um, Yeah. So both the parties are bought and paid for by big business. And ultimately, they only care about staying in power. You know, I had a conversation, you know, here online talking with some of our our um, our friends here in my local city of Poway. And. We were talking about politicians and one of our politicians who is on our city council here in Poway, his name's Dave Grush. Great guy. Love Dave Grush. But he was saying that, you know, he he's he's here as a service. He's he's here to serve the people. And I challenged him on the idea. I go, well, yeah, if you want to serve the people, there are lots of ways to do it. But the minute you want to be in office is that's when you have power. When you're an elected official, you have the ability to push buttons and move levers and 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 exercise power over your local economy, over your local society and culture. That's what these politicians want to do. And are there ever term limits for politicians? No, they end up rigging the game. They end up having extraordinarily high reelection rates. I, I remember at one time it was well over 90 percent of of congressmen and senators were reelected. Might be slightly lower now even though the approval rate of Congress is like in the single digits, like 7% or 8% or something like that. So they set the game up to keep themselves in power. They rig the elections to keep themselves in power. And then they make it harder and harder for them to be removed because they don't, because they keep fighting against term limits. So both these parties just want to hold on to power. And they use what Barclay was saying. They divide and conquer. 
They play the American people like pawns on a chessboard to be sacrificed so they can stay in power. And they both have a long record of expanding government spending. Doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat. They both do it. Um, Racking up debt, you know, violating our liberties. I mean, every one of them does it. So it was just so refreshing to hear Charles Barkley talk about this. And again, I'm live streaming. I welcome your thoughts and comments. Feel free to type them in on Facebook or on YouTube. But yeah, I mean, again, like if you look at the bigger picture, like with the Patriot Act, we're having, we're having mass surveillance of the American people. We saw that with both Bush and Obama. In fact, Edward Snowden called out, uh, Obama for violating the Fourth Amendment, for having illegal, um, illegal surveillance of Americans without warrant, without probable cause. I mean, Bush created the Patriot Act. Bush's policies really empowered the NSA. But Obama took it to a whole new level. Snowden called him out to his credit. And then Obama had to reel it back. But then the minute Trump gets into office, he kept on going. You know, he kept, you know, the, these policies of essentially, you know, reading our emails, following all the metadata, tracking us like it's some science fiction dystopian movie. Um, And then let me think about these other things that go on. And it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat that's in office. These policies remain the same. I mean, you go to an airport, you all got to wait in TSA. (laughs) They they end up groping you. You got to essentially run the gauntlet. You're like like a cattle, you know, in one of those yards. And it's nonsense. And it's a complete surveillance. It's 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 search and seizure without a warrant, without probable cause. And it doesn't matter if it's Republicans or Democrats doing it at the airport with TSA. And have they ever caught a terrorist with the TSA? I don't think they ever have. So it's, again, more power, more control for them. But yet they're enacting so many of the same policies while keeping us believing that they are like, Jesus and the devil, that they are like night and day, good and evil, when really so many of their policies are largely in agreement. Um, how about, um, yeah, with shutting the, the economy down with COVID, we saw that. And it wasn't just Democrats that shut down the economy. We saw that in, in Republicans in many cases, too, were shutting down parts of the economy. Yeah. Um, and then we also see cases now, you know, the vaccine passports being discussed. Yeah, perpetual war in the Middle East doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat. It just keeps going. It's just the drone warfare. You know, people like to say that Trump didn't start any new wars, but Trump expanded the drone war dramatically. In fact, Bush started it. Obama expanded the drone war. You know, these are essentially, you know, robot, you know, you know, flying machines without a human in them being controlled by a pilot that I think might be in the state of Kansas. It's almost like playing a video game. These drones were dropping bombs, killing innocent people in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Syria, in a lot of other places uh, in the Middle East and even in parts of Africa. And again, Bush starts it, Obama expands it, Trump expands it more. What's the difference? Not much. Um, Paul Black Flag. (laughs) Paul, I I think I know your real last name. 
Uh, wonderful insight from Cyril Charles. Great show. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate your support. Um, then, I mean, a lot of other cases, again, it doesn't matter if it's Republicans or Democrats. They, they have us like pawns fighting amongst each other. You go on social media and it's just a war of words. People, you know, keyboard warriors flaming at one another. And they still get us. I mean, they say, you know, they, they tell us what we can and cannot consume, how we can and cannot use our bodies. Doesn't really matter much if it's a Republican or a Democrat. They tell us we have to buy insurance. They mandate that. I mean, they go down the list. I mean, they even were controlling how we could spend our holidays with our family during COVID. Now, I get why they might want to outline guidelines. They might make recommendations, but they were calling out flat out. If you exceeded so many people in a household, it's illegal. Now, I don't know if anyone ever got busted for it, but still, I mean, there's just so much control, so much erosion of basic rights of our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which is what this podcast is all about. We see that constantly eroded. It doesn't matter which politicians are in office. We still get taxed, you know, bloody high. Um, we have this, uh, you know, this notion of Tax Freedom Day. Are you aware of this? Tax Freedom Day is, God, who invented this? What might have been the Heritage Foundation. might have been Cato. I can't recall. But Tax Freedom Day is the date on the calendar when you have essentially completed paying all of your taxes at the federal, state, and local level. And then all money earned from that point forward is free of taxes. Now, obviously, it doesn't really work that way in real life because we're constantly being taxed every paycheck. We got to pay taxes as we purchase things. We got to pay payroll tax and property tax and gas tax and income tax. And it's ongoing. But, you know, roughly speaking, the, the um, Americans are spending you know, about 30, 33% of their, of their money is going to taxes and it varies by state. So tax freedom day is usually always in April. It might vary a little bit by state. It might vary a little bit by year, but they end, they end up having, they having people fighting tooth and nail over taxes when really it's not that big of a difference. They still, both sides are, you know, essentially just, coming after people to take their money so they can fund all these other BS policies that keep them in power. That's what's going on. And again, Charles Barkley was so on the money, which is so wonderful to hear it. I mean, I'm kind of breaking it down further because this is something I've always really believed in. Then we can see these stimulus bills. So right now the Democrats, um, you know, they've got their stimulus bill. They're talking about an infrastructure bill. They got all these things organized and they're having some battles internally because, you know, Joe Manchin, the blue dog Democrat from West Virginia, isn't always going along with the party. Good for you, Joe. This 50-50 split in the Senate puts a person like Joe Manchin in a very powerful position. He's smart to exercise that power and have more influence. But the Democrats are upset that not everyone's toeing the line. But still, the Democrats passed a COVID relief bill largely without any Republican support. And so you hear the stories like, oh, my God, the Democrats want to help the American people and the Republicans don't care about the American people. How quickly they forget that the previous year, the Republicans passed huge stimulus bills when Trump was president and when the Republicans had control of Senate. Trillions and trillions of dollars. 
Now, they might differ a little bit on where the money goes. The Republicans were giving it mostly to corporations, but so are the Democrats. The Democrats are continuing Paycheck Protection Program, which funds businesses. You know, the Democrats want to give more money to state and local government to pay for those employees and those pensions. I know our local school district here in Poway, Poway Unified, they're getting a big chunk of money, saving their butt. Um, yeah, so the the Democrats are taking care of people, so-called, but they're largely taking care of special interests. But so are the Republicans. They They believe in these gigantic spending bills. I mean, Trump massively increased spending after he was elected in 2016. And then when COVID hit, he went bananas, spending and spending. So they're both very, very similar. Just a slight difference of degree on where the money goes. Um, they're both, yeah, massive debt, massive spending, both supporters of the Federal Reserve System is printing money out of thin air, flooding our whole economy with brand, brand new, recently printed cash, which is only going to turn out bad, which is eventually at some point going to cause interest rates to go up, inflation to go up. It's coming. I don't know when, but it's coming. But when they print all that money, where does it go? A lot of it goes to their buddies. They print that money and they either give it directly to their supporters or in many ways, when they give it to their supporters and constituents, they spend it right away. And the money ends up going right back into corporations, making those corporations more profitable and enriching the shareholders of those corporations. And the rich get richer. And it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat. They, you hear the fight amongst income inequality and wealth inequality. That's more than 1%, 99%, getting people fighting amongst themselves. But in the end, they don't really solve the problem. They continue to push policies that traps, or excuse me, that protects the wealth at the top. And they push policies that traps the poor in poverty. doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat. They still do it. Very little changes. Same people are in power. The, the, the rhetoric is still there. They still fight amongst themselves, but the, it doesn't change much. And then we have the highest incarceration state, like in the world, locking up largely men, largely people of color, often for very petty crimes, often for things that shouldn't be criminal in the first place, like buying, selling, and using a plant, a natural substance, People are in jail for that, for nonviolent reasons. Um, so, I mean, it's insane, but they continue to do that. Why? Follow the money. Where does the money be spent? Law enforcement, they like it. More money in their pocket. Who else? The prison industrial complex, they like it, whether it's public prisons or private prisons. They like it. Does it change much? No. Doesn't change much at all. I mean, hell, Biden was just elected. Remember, Biden for the longest time was against legalizing marijuana. Then he ran for office in 2020 and he said that he was going to legalize marijuana. And I was like, right on, man. Like, finally, someone that's evolved on this topic, we're, he's going to, well, maybe not legalize it, but at least remove it as a Schedule One narcotic, which is insane that it's a schedule one narcotic. I mean, it's medicinal. It's, it's safer than beer. Um, but what ended up, what did Biden do? 
shortly after he was elected, he found out that some of his staffers had smoked marijuana earlier in their lives and he fired them. He fired his own staff for honestly admitting that they smoked marijuana in their past. They probably were just being honest and forthcoming, knowing that Biden wanted to legalize marijuana. So they were forthcoming and they ended up getting their butts fired as a result of that. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's vice president admitted publicly to smoking marijuana when she was young. So they keep the people in power and they enact all this, you know, BS on the regular people. So nothing much changes. They talk a game, divide and conquer. But really, when they're in power, nothing much changes. You know, they're both of these parties, Republicans and Democrats. You know, you hear one of them will blame the other that they gerrymander. Mostly the Democrats will complain that the Republicans gerrymander. But you know what? The Democrats gerrymander, too. I mean, it's, it's amazing how they draw the lines. Who draws the lines? The politicians draw the lines. The politicians choose their voters. We even saw that here in my local school district and in our city council in Poway. They had to go to districts. So when they went to districts, who decided where to draw the lines? The politicians did. In fact, the classic example was in Poway Unified here. We had at the time... Four of our elected, four of our elected, four of the five elected school board members live within a one mile radius of each other. Like you could put a point on the map, a one mile radius, and then draw a circle, like a two mile diameter circle. And four of the five lived in that circle, even though the the size of the school district is 100 square miles, 10 miles by 10 miles square, roughly. And so when the politicians drew the lines, what did they do? They drew the lines so at least three of them would survive. And the one that they got rid of, the one they drew the line carefully so they can get rid of one, was the one that was complaining the most and was threatening their power. That was Charles Sellers, who I did a podcast with a long time ago. So the politicians set us all up where it's us against them, just like what Charles Barkley said. They get us fighting. They divide and conquer but all they do is maintain power for themselves. I mean, it just, it, it's a never ending thing. And then here, even in our local city of Poway, we have politicians that, again, are, you know, Dave Grush, a good guy, good, good guy, means well. He ran to enact term limits when he was elected on, uh, on city council here in Poway. Only two term limits. Once he gets in office, what does he do? He changes his mind. And now, and then he ran and, and won successfully for a third term. So once they're in power, they want to maintain that power because they know it's, it's, they have greater influence over the community. They have a greater profile. They are looked upon as a person of importance. And especially if you're playing the game in Washington, D.C., there's a lot of money to be made a lot of essentially wealth, power, and influence to be gotten. To use the name of a podcast that I really like, Jason Stapleton. By the way, check that one out. Uh, some of the themes that I talk about in my podcast are really aligned with Jason Stapleton 
in his show, uh, Wealth, Power and Influence. But that's what the politicians in D.C. do. They're in it for their wealth, power and influence at the expense of yours. Yuri Bolin on the live stream, our stimulus checks are our Social Security checks just a little earlier than we expected. Well, that's one way to say it. But then again, what's the future of Social Security? Who knows? There's a lot of questions, a lot of doubts. Um, you know, in 2033, they're not going to be able to fulfill the promises they made. And I'm not just saying that like chicken little, the sky is falling. That's what the board of trustees of Social Security said, that their fiscal trajectory is not sustainable. They, and, the, and Medicare is even worse position. Medicare is going to be unable to fill, fulfill its promises in the next, I think, five, seven years, something like that. What are they going to do? Maybe they're just going to print money and keep doing this. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to get out of it. So is our stimulus check, our social security check just a little earlier? Well, that's one way to look at it, Yuri. But for me, I didn't get a stimulus check. I mean, you know, good on me. I, I earn money on my business. I'm making money and I made more last year than what is it? A $75,000 cutoff. I think even between 75 and 80,000, you still got something. But if you were above 80,000, you got nothing. Well, I earn more than $80,000 a year. So I got nothing. So, yeah, you know, maybe for you, the stimulus is great. You know, good for you. I mean, in many ways, it's like if it's not your Social Security check coming earlier, it's like getting your own tax dollars back that they took from you. So I don't, I have no qualms with people getting the the social security check or the stimulus check. I mean, if you get it, great. Hopefully people will do smart things with that money. Hopefully they can save some of it so they can build wealth. That's how we'll narrow the income inequality gap is when people have the ability to not only learn how to grow their income, but also be able to save as much as they can. That's how they build wealth. And that's how the wealth inequality gap narrows. We talked quite a bit about that in our last podcast. Um, so, yeah. So these politicians, they rig the system. They get it, us versus them, divide and conquer. And all the while, they're rigging the system so they can stay in power. And yet they still claim that this is the so-called land of the free. America is the land of the free, the home of the brave. But then what happens? Now, look, I told you, Joe Biden is in office. He's already said, well, he already has kicked out some of his staffers for previous marijuana use. But now he's detaining children at the border. Remember, people always got on um, Trump's case that there were children in cages. But then they would say, well, Obama built them. No, Trump was putting children in cages. They would fight amongst it, but it was the same policy. Now Biden's in office. We saw a video. There are people in cages. A lot of times children. And then if they're not in a cage, like a chain link fence cage, then they're in a detention center where they're held against their will. And yet we claim to be the land of the free. We claim in our Declaration of Independence that we have inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And by the way, those inalienable rights are not just for Americans. They're not just for white people. They're not just for men. They're for everybody. It says so in the Declaration of Independence. It, it, it's obvious. I mean, your life is yours. 
So if we're a nation that really stands for freedom, we shouldn't be detaining people at the border and holding them against their will. But we are. And the crazy part of it is this was a big talking point in the battle in the election. Biden's elected. He continues it. The news just broke like it was either yesterday or the day before that Biden's administration is considering expanding the wall. What? Yeah. Remember, Trump had part of the southern border wall built. It was really a fence. But he had part of it built. And now Biden wants to build more. They're saying he just wants to fill in some of the gaps. But if a if a southern border wall is immoral, and it is, if a southern border wall is about division, and it is, if a southern border wall is a terrible policy, as the Democrats have been claiming, and it is a terrible policy, then why in the hell would you spend more money and expand the wall once the Democrats are in office? But they are. The, the wall, classic example of divide and conquer. It's us versus them. It's the Americans versus those, those you know, forgive me, those Latinos. Pardon me. But that's how they set it up. Divide and conquer, but they remain in power and all the while chipping away at our rights. Um, even Biden, he said he's going to continue the trade war with China. The trade war with China, which puts tariffs on Chinese imports. So when they come to America, who pays the tariff? The Americans do. <laughs> they, 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 they frame it as though China is the one that's being penalized. China is taking on the burden of the tariff. No. The Americans are. But so the policy doesn't change much. You know, granted, when Biden was elected, he changed a few things. We're now in the Paris Accord. There were certain things that he changed, you know, good on you. But so many things he's not changing, even though he said he would. And there's a whole list of other things that is never really talked about that they're the same on. Like the great example is the Patriot Act. How often did that come up in the election of 2020? Like almost never. How about the national debt? How often did that come up? Almost never. Now, sometimes now the Biden's in office, the Republicans start squawking a bit and they come off looking like hypocrites. But really, in reality, they both rack up massive amounts of debt. It doesn't matter who's in office because they keep spending and spending so they can keep the people believing in them giving them all sorts of goodies, taking care of their special interests and their big-time donors so they can stay in power. While we lose our rights, while they take our money, and while they stay in power and we're fighting amongst ourselves. It's nuts. It's nonsense. Well, the other thing, remember remember with Trump, when he was elected in 2016, he said, I'm going to end these foreign wars. I'm done with these foreign wars. We, we got to get our troops home. Within like, it was one or two months. What did he do? He sent missiles into Syria and expanded the drone war. Then Biden is elected. Within the first two months of his election, what does Biden do? He also sends missiles into Syria. Come on, man. So they're both continuing this aggressive foreign policy of being the world's police. 
violating the inalienable rights of innocent people in other parts of the world, even while claiming to be the nation that supports freedom, the nation that has a statue of liberty. They don't care. They're just in it to stay in their own, to stay in power. So the, the whole angle with this is, I think the main point of this is, is that they're going to, you just have to see it that way. I, I just encourage you to see it from this perspective that when they are f- positioning red versus blue and Democrats versus Republicans and really look at it. And, and if you can look behind the curtain, you're going to see that there really isn't that big of a difference. And you're going to see that in many ways you're being played. A lot of times these politicians keep promising things and they get in office and they never do it. Or in fact, they do the opposite. Trump was elected in 2016. He said he was going to pay off the national debt in eight years. At the time, the national debt was 19 trillion. What's the national debt now? It's like 28 trillion and going up. Trump said he was going to end the wars. What does he do? He expands the wars. Actually, Obama did the same damn thing. Obama said he was going to end these wars, but then he extended the Iraq war longer than he promised. He promised to get out of the Iraq war in May of 2010. And he ended up leaving mostly in December of 2011. But then within a few years, Obama was sending more troops back into Iraq. And never mind the fact that the Afghanistan war rose dramatically under Obama. Now, granted, he campaigned for that. But they're both both sides of this are just warmongers in the Middle East, too. So we got to just understand what's happening here. We just got I want I want to encourage you to look behind the curtain to, you know, like with a magician, when they're doing a trick, they always say, watch the other hand. Because they're using one hand in the trick, but it's the other hand that's, you know, pulling the card from up their sleeve or doing whatever they do. Understand that there's theater going on here, friends. And it's big time theater at the national level. And you get the closer and closer you get to the local, there is less theater. But there's still theater, even at the local level. In many cases, even at the local level, people are being played. So people can remain in office and hold on to power and retain power. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's rather obvious in so many cases. So, um, so I guess my, my main recommendation to everyone here that's listening to this podcast and watching the podcast is focus on your own life, man, focus on pursuing your happiness. Focus on, on being all that you can be. And a lot of times the things that these politicians are doing, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat or independent or however you identify yourself. The other team is putting forward policies that you don't like. But you know what? You can't really change it. You have a vote, one vote, and, you know, sure, go out there and vote as you see appropriate. But really, you can't change a lot of this. I mean, Yuri Bolin um, you're, you're a great man. Uh, you and a number of other people in the city of Poway do a very, very good job of holding our local city council's feet to the fire and holding them accountable and putting pressure on them. And with the fullest respect, Yuri, not a lot changes. So like they often say, you can't fight city hall. We still need to fight where appropriate. We still got to 
you still got to vote. You can protest, but understand that as an individual, there's very little you can do. So you have to play the game and you got to look for ways to maximize your situation in spite of all the things that these politicians are doing to drag you down. And the big thing to see is that it's theater. And in many cases, the puppet masters are controlling it. And we, as the individual people are just pawns in their game. We can't fall for their hysteria. Um, I know I, I saw someone else post a, um, something recently and they were saying that, I mean, no, actually this was in Jason Stapleton's podcast and they were talking about the flow, right? The, the energy flow. And a lot of times, you know, when we're going with the flow, things are easier to get done, but a lot of times you fight against the flow. It's like rolling a boulder up a hill. And a lot of times it never works. Sometimes it just doesn't work. So what can you do? Sometimes you got to figure out a way to go with the flow, play the game and play it to your advantage because you can't change them. I mean, you could vote and you can get some people together and vote, but that's not really how you're going to change your life. But they want you to think that the vote is the most important thing that you can do. And they want you to, them to vote for you. They, they want them to want you to vote for them because their opponent is worse. At some point, we have to wake up and just quit reelecting them. That's what I do. Um, it is rare for me to ever vote for an incumbent. At the national level, the state level, even at the local level, it's very, very rare that I will vote for an incumbent. It's happened, but it's very rare. Sometimes I will vote for the challenger just for the sake of trying to shake it up. Um, as voters, we can look for opportunities to call their bluff. You know, they want to pit the Republicans and the Democrats fighting amongst each other. Well, sometimes there's a third choice on the ballot. Pick that. If for nothing else to threaten the power and position of the two parties, even if you don't really like that third party, even if you think that they have no chance to win, and they probably don't have a chance to win unless we started voting for them. But as long as we keep getting sucked into this game, red versus blue, good versus evil, rich versus poor, black versus white, even here in Poway, it's North Poway and South Poway. It's divide and conquer, and they set it up that way. And other people throw gas on the fire and inflame it. At some point, we just got to quit doing that and, and really retain more power and control over your own life rather than having these other guys control you. So um, I know I'm, I'm ranting a bit on my podcast today. I hope you guys don't mind. But um, I just felt strongly about it. I just love the quote from Charles Barkley. Boy, was it one so refreshing. So I've got some f- closing quotes from Charles Barkley. I got a couple more and they're really good. Before I get to them, Um, I encourage you, if you can, support the podcast. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a like. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Recommend the podcast to a friend. Share it with a friend. If you're on YouTube or on Facebook, you can click on the share button. 
or just tell someone about it. You know, the John Riley Project podcast about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We talk, we discuss local issues here in my hometown, my community of Poway, California. We talk about issues more broadly in San Diego County. A lot of times we talk about national issues. So we'll talk politics and culture and society, business, entrepreneurism, innovation. We talk sports sometimes, talk electric vehicles, talking Corvettes, um, self-improvement we've discussed. Done a lot of great things on this podcast and so many wonderful guests have joined me, including a lot of our local politicians. And challengers to those local politicians. And I love having them on. Because we get to learn and we understand them more. So I just encourage your support. Anything you can do would be very helpful because I'm just trying to build the audience, expand the audience. I was very fortunate. I mean, I did that podcast on vaccines as a, um, what, what was the name of that podcast? Vaccines as a carrot on a stick. That YouTube video, my God. I mean, from from my own perspective, you know, granted I'm small potatoes, but from my own perspective, I got at least 25 times the views on that YouTube video than most of my YouTube videos. It was wonderful. I, we got a lot more subscribers. So I'm just trying to build the audience. So your support would be so helpful. You know, we were only up to th- two thumbs up, at least the ones that I can see. So feel free to give the episode a thumbs up if, if you think we deserve it. If you don't think we reserve it, then give it a thumbs down. It's, it's your prerogative. Okay, so let's close out with a couple of Charles Barkley quotes. And this is some of these are very much aligned with what he said on the NCAA Final Four show. And by the way, man, what a great final four. I was bummed UCLA lost in the semis because I'm a, I'm a UC graduate. And I granted, I went to UC San Diego. And so I was rooting for the, you know, UC LA. And plus I'm a big Aztec fan and the Aztecs beat UCLA. So I was hoping UCLA would go deeper, but then Suggs for Gonzaga hit that half court shot off the glass. It was disappointing that Gonzaga couldn't finish out a a perfect season. But, you know, good for you, Baylor. Those guys won it legit, fair and square. But it was a good tournament. But now I'm totally focused on baseball. In fact, I normally do these. I always do these podcasts every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2 o'clock. And I do them at 2 so I can watch the Padre game at night. But today, the Padres are playing during the day. In fact, the game is on right now. I like to have that on in the background while I'm working during the day. But um, last I checked, the Padres were down 2 nothing to the Giants. So this is the bumper game. The winner of this will win the series. So hopefully the, the Padres can win it. So we'll see. Okay, closing quotes. Charles Barkley, I have three of them. First one is, I do not use words like liberal or conservative. You can ask me a question and I will give you an answer. Those are words rich people on television use to divide and conquer. And good on you, Charles. So Charles has identified this situation. You know, people, he says rich people, but, you know, people of power, influence. And they're dividing and conquering. Liberal versus conservative. Red versus blue. Democrat versus Republican. Cons versus libs. We can go down the list. Always a battle. They're setting up the game to be a battle between two. And it's a binary choice always. Meanwhile, there's always a third and a fourth choice on the ballot, but they never talk about them. And in fact, they rig the system to to diminish their ability to win. Charles Barkley goes on further. It's another quote. Neither one of the parties is doing anything for poor people. They're full of it. 
They're both full of it. Black people have been voting Democratic their whole life, and they're still poor. And the Republicans don't do anything for poor people either. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of truth to that. In my opinion, both Republicans and Democrats set up policies that trap people in poverty. What do I mean by that? A lot of government-run schools are poorly managed, have you know, terrible learning environments. And a lot of times these poor kids are in a terrible school district or maybe have local schools that are really terrible. They're awful. They are not conducive learning environments. They're really more of um, essentially a place just where teenagers go, but not necessarily a place of learning. And then what ends up happening, those poor people end up being trapped get a poor education, and they continue the cycle of poverty. In other cases, they might turn to drugs. They get thrown in jail. When they're in jail, they they come out with a felony, essentially a scarlet letter. They can't get a job. And they remain stuck in a cycle of poverty. In other cases, there are poor people, and they just do something really innocent, like make a mistake and run a stop sign. What happens? The police pull them over. The police issue very heavy fines. They can't pay the fine because they're poor. Their car gets impounded and towed away. Then they can't get to their job and they get fired from their job. And they remain stuck in poverty. Or there are other cases where people are working their way. They're building up. You know, they're trying to do, do better for themselves. Something happens, the police show up, do a a giant search in their house. Sometimes they'll plant evidence. And then once it ends up happening, people like lose all their stuff. Civil forfeiture, people lose their cars, people lose their cash. There are people that might happen to have a lot of cash on them when they're driving their car. They get pulled over by the cops for might be something innocent, like a broken taillight. And then they discover that they've got, you know, $8,000 on them. They assume it's drug money and they confiscate the money. And then if that person is innocent, I read a story that a guy had money on him because he was about to go buy a used car from a private party. And the cops pulled him over, confiscated his money. He's still never gotten it back. That's how poor people stay poor because they get trapped in poverty. Yuri Bolin says, the one thing red and blue agree on is green. Yeah. Green money. I mean, it's ultimately about power. More money you have, the more power you have, especially if you're a politician. So, yeah, they do. Um, So, yeah, Charles Barkley is right. Um, You know, granted, the, the parties say they want to try to help poor people, but a lot of times they, a lot of times they, they set up the system that they'll bail out the rich, but they let the poor, you know, die on the vine. They'll have corporate subsidies, but then they'll shut down the economy and then poor people lose their job. Pat Johnson on the live stream, a first for your show. I'm watching you on a plane headed to Germany. Really? Man. You know, the old ZZ Top song, man, we're bad, we're nationwide, but this is even better than that, Pat. We're... We're worldwide. Good for you, Pat. Hope you have a great trip to Germany. Imagine you're, you're still traveling on business or is it uh, for pleasure? I was in Germany 
like three years ago, maybe it was four years ago with my daughter. And it was part of like a two and a half week trip in, in um, central Europe. And we were in Munich, great city. And we went to Dachau. Is, it, is that how you say it? Dachau? Dachau? The, um, uh, the concentration camp there just outside of Munich. That was a very moving experience. You get a chance to go do that. I recommend it. But good for you, Pat. We're live streaming, man, on the airlines, 40,000 feet in the air over the Atlantic Ocean. Boy, the John Riley Project, new new heights. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. I appreciate your support. Okay, the last quote from Charles Barkley, and then we'll wrap this up. Poor people cannot rely on the government to come to help you in times of need. You have to get your education. Then no one can control your destiny. Brilliant. Right on the money, Charles. We have to take control of our lives. We have to be all that we can be. We have to pursue our happiness. We have to focus on ourselves. Gain an education, build skills, marketable skills, rare and specialized skills that pay well. So you can begin earning money, building wealth. And then the more wealth you have, the more power you have and more control you have over your own life. But if you keep depending on the government to help you, you're not going to get much. You might get a $1,400 check, but not much. In the end, you got to take control of your own life. That's why we talk about your inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Pursue your happiness. Take control of your life. Exercise liberty by choosing well in your own life. I'm not saying it's easy, but take control. They want you to blame the other guy. They want you to blame the blue team or the red team. They want to get you sucked into that fight. But you can't fall for it. It's, it's theater. Instead, you do you. That's what that's the, the very top of my website, johnreillyproject.com. If you go there, and by the way, you can get on our mailing list there, do a lot of things on the pod, on the website. All of our podcast episodes are there at johnreillyproject.com. The headline on my homepage, you do you. That's what Charles Barkley is saying here in that final quote. Poor people cannot rely on the government to come to help you in times of need. You have to get your education. Then nobody can control your destiny. Perfect. Dana on the live stream. I want to go to Germany. <laughs> Remember Augustus Gloop? Augustus Gloop was the character from Germany and he was on. Um, what, what was the name of the movie? It wasn't Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It was Willy Wonka, right? The first Willy Wonka movie. I always remember Augustus Gloop. But yeah, Germany, man, way to go, Pat. Enjoy your time in Germany. And Dana, yeah, I want to go to Germany too. We should go together. <laughs> Have a trip. I'll tell you, I can't wait for the, the pandemic to be lifted and we can travel again. A lot of places I want to go. Looking forward to that. But are we going to return to normal anytime soon? I don't know. But I got my vaccine. I'm one and done. Johnson and Johnson got it done yesterday. Was not feeling good last night. Was feeling kind of drunk, kind of dizzy at one in the morning when I woke up. 
I was feeling a little lightheaded before we started this podcast, but I'm feeling a little better now. But the vaccines are a step in the direction of coming back to normal. So I encourage everyone to get your vaccine. That's a great way for you to control you, for you to take charge of you, for you to do you. And I can't think of a better way to end this podcast. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. This is the John Riley Project. It's episode number 221. Talking about Charles Barkley and the politicians and divide and conquer. Love you, Charles. Love you, Chuck. Looking forward to hearing more from him. And um, I'm going to go back to the Padre game, and hopefully they've at least tied the score. We'll see you later, friends. Bye-bye.